Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Cy Miller and Jill Jackson were a husband-wife duo. Uh, they were a songwriting team. And back in 1955, they wrote a song about their dream of peace and for the world and how they believed each one of us could help create it. Cy Miller actually wrote in his own words what happened. He writes, One summer evening in 1955, a group of 180 teenagers of all races and religions met at the workshop high in the California mountains. They locked arms, formed a circle, and sang a song of peace. They felt that in singing the song, with its simple, basic sentiment, it helped to create a climate for world peace and understanding. Maybe you know the tune, maybe you don't, but the words say, Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. To take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. Today we hear words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Words that are easy to understand, yet kind of difficult to live out. He says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Pre uh, preached on this text. He says, certainly these texts are great words. Words lifted to cosmic proportions. And over the centuries, many persons have argued that it's extremely difficult command to appear to. But the words of this text glitter in our eyes with new urgency. Far from being a pious injunction from a utopian dreamer, this command is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love. Love that will save our world and civilization. Love even for our enemies. Today, in all three lessons that we heard today, from the first reading, the second reading, and the gospel, we hear that the word holy a lot. We hear God saying, I am the Lord, especially from Leviticus. Holy, the word holy actually means to be set apart. To be set apart from the rest. We are holy people. God calls us to be holy people. To be set apart. To be different from what the world expects. And live to what God expects. We are holy people. We live in a different standard. Jesus was very serious. When he gives this command today. To love our enemies. He wasn't playing around. How many of you have enjoyed the Winter Olympics. The last couple of weeks. Yeah, and how many of you, you know, in your home, maybe with your kids, you're like, USA, USA. The point is, is that Jesus is very serious in his command. Love your enemies. He wasn't playing around. He isn't doing what Pastor Will was talking about last week with, with some hyperbole, some exaggerated thing in order to get a point across. Our lips, from the lips of our Lord and Master, he is very serious about this way of life. Now first, let's deal with the question. It's a practical question. How do you go about loving your enemies? 
I mean, I think all of us know it's a good thing. We teach our kids to do it. How do you go about loving your enemies? Well, Dr. King says the first thing that we need to do in order to love our enemies is that we have to begin by analyzing ourselves. I agree. And it might seem strange, though, to say that I'm asking you to love your enemies. Jesus is asking you to love your enemies. But now you're asking me to look at myself. Well, sure. It seems to me that this is the first and foremost way to adequately discover the how of this situation. Now, we're all aware of the fact, or at least I think we all are, that there are going to be people in this world who simply do not like us. Am I right? There are some people who aren't going to like you. They aren't going to like the way you walk. They aren't going to like the way you talk. They aren't going to like the way you dress. They aren't going to like the fact that you chant USA. They aren't going to like you just because maybe you can do your job better than theirs. Maybe your hair is too short for them. Maybe it's too long. Maybe you have tattoos. Maybe you don't. Some people aren't going to like you because you remind them of one of their enemies. Maybe a phrase that you use in your common language is the phrase that their enemy used, so they don't, they don't like you. Maybe you kind of look like them, so they aren't going to like you. Some people just aren't going to like you. They're going to dislike you, not because of something you've done to them, but because of their various jealousies and reactions and other reactions so prevalent in human nature. And isn't it interesting that just as others do that to us unjustly, don't we do that to others too? I mean, how many of you have ever looked at someone, you've heard something about them, and before you've even talked to them, you don't like them? Maybe you heard something that wasn't right, but you don't like them. Have you even given them a chance? We have judged them from one thing that we've heard about them, or maybe anyone ever have that wrong first impression and you wish you could cram those words back in your mouth? Maybe we judge them too quickly. Jesus said, how is it that you see a splinter in your brother's eye and yet fail to see a plank in your own eye? And this is one of the tragedies of human nature. So we, as we work for peace in this world, we begin to love our enemies and to love those persons that hate us either collectively or individually when we begin to look at ourselves. The second thing an individual must do to seek to love our enemy is to discover the good in our enemy. And every time you begin to hate that person or think of hating that person, realize that there is some good there and some good points which will override the bad points. Each of us is at war with ourselves, aren't we? How many of us want to lose weight but love to eat? Uh-huh. How many of us are angry? And I've seen some of you on the road. You don't know I see you, but I see you. <laughs> that red light's too long. That person's driving too slow. It's kind of funny when I watch you and you don't know I'm there. How many of us are so angry all the time, but yet we don't want to face our issues or deal with them either? There is something within each of us that causes us to cry out like German writer Johann Wolfgang Goethe who said, there is enough stuff in me to make me both a gentleman and a rogue. There is something within each of us that causes us to cry out with the Apostle Paul, 
I see and approve of the better things in life, but it's the evil things that I do. Within the best of us, there is some evil. And within the worst of us, there is some good. Anybody ever watch Star Wars? Anybody? Okay, and I don't mean the prequels. I mean the real Star Wars, okay? Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader. You know, um, and, and for those of you who haven't seen it, spoiler alert, okay? There, throughout the movies, Darth Vader is the villain. He's the bad guy. It's the voice of James Earl Jones. Luke, I am your father. And then he cuts off his arm. So... He has anger issues. So here we have Luke and Darth Vader. And Luke eventually turns Darth Vader to the good side. How does he do it? How does he do it? Even though Darth Vader is constantly trying to kill him. He cut off his arm. He's trying to kill all of his friends. Luke constantly goes to Darth Vader and eventually turns him to the good side. When Darth Vader takes the Emperor and throws him off into the abyss. And he says, because Luke always saw the good in Darth Vader. Even as evil as he was, he always saw the good and he persisted in seeing the good in that villain. Within the best of us, there is some evil. And within the worst of us, there is some good. When we come to see this, when we take a different attitude toward individuals, I have a colleague who I won't mention his name, but he has a son, and he talks about when his son takes him to that parents, you know what I'm talking about, when that child gets under your skin and you can't think of anything but to destroy that child. My pastor colleague friend says, he will, he will say, uh, Thomas Michael Smith, child of the living God. Now you know when you're in trouble, when your parents use your middle name. Am I right? When your parents break out your middle name, you are in trouble. Now you know you're even deeper in trouble when you're a pastor's kid and they say, child of God. Because at that point, that child's going to need God. <laughs> but that's what Jesus is calling us to do in every circumstance, to look at everyone as God's creation, a child of the living God. That's how you love someone even when you kind of hate them a little. That person who hates you the most has good in them. And when you come to the point that you look in the face of a person and you see deep down what Christianity calls the image of God, you begin to love them in spite of them. No matter what they do, you see God's image there. There is an element of goodness that they can never slough out. Discover the element of good in your enemy. And as you seek to hate them, find the center of that goodness and place your attention there. And you will have a new attitude. This is what Jesus is talking about today. The one who is the Lord of our lives and the Savior of our souls is calling us to be this day. People who bring love into the conversation when everyone else is pointing hating fingers. People who forgive, especially when it's hard. People who reconcile, work for justice and peace when others have pushed it away as a lost cause. That's who we're called to be. Children of the living God, I am here to tell you today that when you walk in the way of forgiveness and love, 
you walk in the way of Christ. The Greek language in which the New Testament is written uh, has three words for love. You know, uh, we have one word for love. I love tacos, which is different than I love my wife. I love my wife more than tacos. (laughs) Just being clear, okay? Okay. The Greek language has three words for love. Eros, philia, and agape. Okay, eros is an erotic love. We know what that kind of love is. Philia may sound familiar because we actually have a city in the United States based off of that word Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. Right, exactly. So that's more of a friendship kind of love. Okay, so with eros and, and, and philia, those are kind of reciprocal loves. We give and we take. But the Bible has a third word for love, which is agape. Agape is more than eros. It's more than philia. Agape is something that is more creative, redemptive, goodwill for all humanity. It's a love that seeks nothing in return. It's an overflowing love. It's a love that theologians would call the love of God. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love others, not because they're likable, but because the same God who loves you loves them too. And you love them because God loves them. And they might be the worst person you've ever met. And this is what Jesus means when he says in the passage, love your enemy. It's significant that he does not say like your enemy. How many of us know that just because we don't like, we may love someone, but we might not like them at that time. You know what I mean? Like is something that's affectionate. There are a lot of people that you and I might find difficult to like. But Jesus says to love them. And love is greater than like. I don't know how many of you have children or grew up with brothers or sisters. But every once in a while, uh, I have two children who you saw up here. Uh, The younger one will come up to me and say, uh, after, you know that time when your kids have spent too much time together? You know what I mean? They spend too much time together. and, And my youngest one will come up to me and she'll say, my brother doesn't love me anymore. And I take her into my arms and I tell her, that's just not true. Your brother may not like you right now, but your brother will always love you. Just like I, your father, will always love you. One last point as we end today. You may have been hurt in the past. In fact, I know you have. We all have. Maybe you thought you were over it now but maybe you're more into it than ever. Maybe the wound has reopened somehow and it hurts more than ever. And maybe it's been a day, a week, maybe even 10 years, and now that hurt's become a part of you. Maybe you say to yourself, what they did was so bad, I will never forgive them. What if God said that? Because we've all done horrible stuff too, haven't we? The fact of the matter is, is that God did not say that. Instead, God spoke to us in love. And God showed us what love is and what the power of love can do. Power of love can overcome even death and bring new life. 
God sent His one and only Son, Jesus the Christ, so that by God's grace, through faith in Christ's life, death, and resurrection from the grave, we are free from sin, death, and the power of the devil. We are free from hatred and grudges. We are free to love and grant forgiveness. We do not, as children of the living God, have our foundation on the shaky ground of hatred and grudges, but on love and hope. We instead are given the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the one who came to us in our baptisms, to live by that power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts so we can do the one thing, the two things that we could not do on our own. Forgive and love. And when we come to the table of the Lord today, this place where we see ultimate reconciliation, we partake in Christ's body and blood given and shed for us, we remember that we are called by God to love as we are loved and to forgive as we are forgiven. Luke chapter 6, verse 37, has Jesus saying those words, forgive as you have been forgiven. And don't we pray, hopefully every day, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness in loving our enemy turns our focus from me to we. Because when we forgive someone and set them free, it's like we're really setting ourselves free. Yes, let there be peace on earth. And by the power of the living God, let it begin with you and me. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.